you guys have seen all of the new capabilities of OpenAI's Sora platform, um, pretty much creating real-time 3D worlds with like moving humans and traffic in the distance and setting suns and marketplaces and whatnot. <laughs> like it's kind of ridiculous. Um, in fact, I'll post one right here. It's pretty interesting. Um, Yeah, just I just retweeted it, but look at this um, video capability. Like this is considerably different than a year ago. Obviously, um, pretty much full three dimensional worlds. Human beings' hands move correctly, arms and legs are working correctly. Um, so really, like a year from now, I guess, or maybe two years from now. It becomes indistinguishable, indistinguishable from reality. I, I can't tell it's not real just looking at this shit, honestly. Pretty impressive. Um, interesting. Um, and then there's uh, another thing. Gemini 1.5 Pro was able to watch three hours of video, and they hid like certain objects in the videos. And... You had 100% recall of all the various visual um, hidden gems in the video. Recalled all of it. And it's just uh, pretty much superhuman, to say the least, all these capabilities. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. A AI stuff is trucking along here. Um, let's see. Um, Everything's kind of flat today on, on chart-wise. Only thing that has been like catching my attention as far as running lately is um, Neutron ran, had a pretty good impulsive move from a dollar to a dollar eighty-four. Or actually went to two bucks actually. Um, and um, is kind of doing a little bit of a pullback, so It'll probably consolidate and kind of like make its way to $2.30 with the next FIB. So it's been pretty much hitting all the different FIB levels. Um, and, you know, these are these are the same FIB levels that are predicted based on since November's chart. And just bouncing around up and down all the way up. So pretty cool. Um, if you still own a Neutron, there you go. Um, what else is interesting? Mm. So Zephyr, of course, had its bit of a run when um, new influencer Nagato got on board and um, 
pretty much, I think some of his followers and stuff bought the coin. So you saw it kind of run from around 13 bucks to about 20, almost 21. And then now he's kind of settled in to right around $17. It's correlating with BTC a bit now at this point. So it's kind of going up and down a little bit with the market. Um, But, um, you know, for it to replicate kind of a Casper style move, it'd be like February 21st, which is coming up to try to get back to its prior high. So will it start to run here in the next few days? Or does, do we need some kind of catalyst like an influencer or something talking about it? Um, hard to say. So a lot of these things, like on these charts and stuff, like you can have some general sense of where price is going to go. You just don't know when it's going to get there because you don't know what influencer, what YouTube video or whatever. So, so the, I, the people that think you can predict the ch- price trajectory exactly, timing and everything with a chart is just it's just obviously not true. Um, anybody here could make, you know, some amazing YouTube video and everyone watches it. And next thing you know, um, the price will go up, but that has nothing to do with what's on the chart or something like that. So anyway, um, Zephyr's looking fine though, about $17. And really like the market cap, so the highest volume zone now for Zephyr is the, well, right here, right now, $17.30 is right about the middle of the volume uh, profile for this level. And um, I think the the next biggest sort of volume profile bar is at $3.50, but I don't think we're going to go back there again. So looking good, um, built up nice volume here, which makes the longer um, a coin stays at a certain price, um, that can be good or bad, depending on your view. It's good in the sense that like um, in the future, when like Zephyr jumps to whatever next range, the longer you have a range consolidation, the more likely the price will not go back to that range again. So if you spend like, you know, three to six months in a certain range and then run, that can be a good thing. Um, If it goes a lot longer beyond that, people start wondering, you know, why isn't this thing moving and what's happening? You know, is there no attention and stuff like that? So um, that can be the kind of perception people get if it takes too long. So, yeah, the right amount of velocity for consolidation, the right amount of velocity for... um, uh, going on our next run would be a good time would be pretty much now for it to run. Excuse me. There's some beeping in the background. Um, yeah. So hopefully this week we, we see some movement there. Um, again, can't really predict this stuff for sure, but, um, you should probably have your, whatever bags loaded under 20 bucks is probably a good place to, to be where it's uh, about what's 55 million market cap or so which is great. And then um, the ZephyrSwap.io, whoever put that together, um, that is, you can actually check it out now. Um, Let me pull it up actually while we speak and we can talk about what's on it. But it's really, really simple swapping protocol. Um, And the idea is to have kind of a beginner level let me open this up, a beginner level DEX of sorts. And um, it's not exactly a DEX. It's kind of more of a centralized thing, really. Um, but they're going to have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero, and t- ultimately Tether. 
right now on the site um, in the swapping page, it really only shows Bitcoin, Ethereum, Zephyr, Litecoin, and ZSD are the possible swaps. Um, you can swap from XMR. Let me see how this works. Yeah, you can swap swap from XMR to Zeph, but you cannot swap yet from Zephyr to XMR, at least based on what it shows here. Um, so, and you know, how safe is it going to be to provide liquidity on this thing? You know, I don't know these people <laughs> at all, so I don't know if there's like a a rug pull risk or anything else. So, I'm not trying to fud the the project before it begins but i'm like we don't know who this is so i don't know who it is at least um so <laughs> keep that in mind if you're going to deploy any liquidity to these pools uh for the sake of the protocol that's not a bad idea but um i don't even know how much initial liquidity is going to be there how much slippage is going to be there so be careful even trading on it from that perspective um probably test Test out some transactions if you're going to bother doing anything. And generally, when it comes to new protocols, I would recommend not connecting any wallets to a new protocol that are uh, that contain most of your money. So almost always, um, you know, all, almost always, what you're going to want to do is to make a brand new wallet. Let's say you want to convert Monero to Zephyr or something. Create a brand new wallet. Uh, some kind of hot wallet for uh, Monero, send your money there, connect that to this DEX, and then swap it for Zephyr if you'd like or whatever. But do not use your primary wallet that you use for um, like for all your other money. Uh, never do that with these kinds of things because uh, you never really know. Um, and it's not that this is a bad protocol. It may or may not be. But the the issue is that like you don't know for sure. You don't want to get your wallet drained, basically. Um, all right. What else? Um, so yeah, someone posted just now, kind of a nice cup and handle on Zephyr. Um, yeah, if this kind of like bull flag kind of thing that just formed on the chart for holds, you know, for the next few days, um, more than likely people start getting confidence that uh price is stabilized and uh you know might maybe go buy more so you know how this works like people don't want to buy unless they're they feel like they're getting a good deal and they want to see that you know they want to have a pretty good feel that like the price is not going to go a whole lot lower and so as soon as they that's why it takes time for newcomers to uh, you know acquire new coins because they're a little bit nervous mm, what else um I think Do Kwan may be getting um, out of jail in Montenegro soon. Um, Luna kind of pumped a little bit with some, <laughs> I don't know if it has related to that or anything. It moved a little bit from like 65 cents to 73. Um, so uh, there's that. Uh, I think he might get transferred to South Korea or US though. So I'm not sure he's going to be released just into the general population of montenegro <laughs> so there's that mm. hopefully the zephyr team does not have any of these problems because they're anonymous um this is a problem with doing DeFi on privacy chains um it's really tough to do all that and do business development while being anonymous um 
All right, so what else um, is interesting? Um, BTC is kind of pulling back a little bit, like 20, it's at 51,700. And that tends to drag everything down a little bit, as you know. Um, Link's down a touch. Zephyr's down a touch. Um, barely, though. And then um, Kujira is kind of running against the grain a little bit. Um, I think if it go, if Kajira can make it and then a little bit of a high, um, it may be ready to run before too long as well. Um, what else is, uh, have I been following? Um, yep. So Neutron's kind of the, the one that ran the most lately. Mm, everything else has been either flat or a little bit down. Anyway. Um, Cadillionaire, were you trying to say something or just hang out? Cadillionaire never speaks, by the way. Always comes up to speaker, but never actually speaks. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why, but, uh, um, okay. Yeah. If anyone else wants to come hang up, hang out here, um, talk about anything that's come out. Um, there was a new announcement for. Uh, that there's a company called Telefonica, which is a cellular service provider. I think it's the eighth largest in Europe or the world or something. I'm not really sure, but it's it serves like Spain and Central and South America, I believe. And one of the problems with smartphones is SIM swap attacks, um, where someone calls your cell phone company and sort of hijacks your phone and then is able to receive those, you know, those little, um, you know, uh, you know, two-factor authentication messages, and then they can bust into your email, and they can bust into your crypto accounts and things like that. So Chainlink has some automations and some software implementation they did to somehow, I'm not sure exactly technically how it works, but to eliminate the possibility of swim, SIM swap attacks. So there's like a couple of telecom companies that have incorporated this, um, and I know Chainlink was working with Verizon, I believe. Um, no, I'm sorry, T-Mobile. And so there might be some other um, things announced in the future there. But basically, um, uh, Chainlink is becoming essentially a big you know, service sector. I mean, like programming platform, essentially, not just an Oracle service. So like I've said before, I think it's ultra over undervalued relative to the market. Um, clearly more utility than say a Solana or something. It's just a, just one more layer one with, uh, you know, basically infinite block size being available. Um, and I was thinking about that, you know, like Solana, the interesting thing is apparently speed, but here's the thing, like basically you could spin up like, a hundred Cosmos chains, if you'd like, or any number you needed to, you know, uh, deal with the problem of speed, and you could then connect them via CCIP, and you would have cohesive liquidity across every single chain. It quite literally would be no different than having one chain uh, in terms of the end user experience. Um, this is a problem that Cadena had as well, um, like where you have this chain web concept, but the chains don't actually like share liquidity with each other, whereas CCIP solves that. So I think 
Chainlink is super, super undervalued by the market. It's at 20 bucks today. I think it's still a screaming steal compared to the rest of the junk in the market. And um, yeah, I'm, you know, kind of holding on to to link for something like a 10x or so, potentially even from here, um, is quite possible given the the um, the tech that they're kind of releasing into the world. Um, so it's definitely worthier of your research and uh, watch some videos and different things that they've done, uh, which are quite good. Um, their webpage is really, really good as far as uh, documentation to onboard new users. Um, let's see here. Um, oh yeah, Sam Altman just posted another video just now. <laughs> Um, let me share it to the top here, if I can. No, I'm, I'm, I'm on the desktop playing with this. So I can't actually share it, I think. I'm not sure. Anyway, but I just retweeted it just now. It's a pair of dogs wearing headphones, listening to microphones, sitting on a picnic, um, picnic you know, sheet or something. And they're, they're having a podcast with each other. Um, really, really impressive, impressive video work. Um, like pretty much the stock footage industry is pretty much dead after this. This is ridiculously good. I'll retweet a couple of other ones here. Um, <laughs> Sam Altman used the number one pre uh, with the what next to it. <laughs> It's kind of the um, Sam Bankman-Fried joke. <clears throat> I, I can't believe that Sam Altman knows that. I didn't think he was into crypto at all. Anyway, but yeah, take a look at these videos I just posted uh, or retweeted. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Just like movies and Hollywood and everything would be very different soon. Uh, wow. What can you say? Um, <laughs> the the better these things get, the more like the less we're going to be able to tell what's real and what isn't. So yeah, by next year, man, there's gonna be so much content online that you can't tell if it's real or not or propaganda. It's gonna be fucking crazy. Like if you look at how Twitter and social media works now, like there's plenty of kind of race baiting, rage porn type stuff where you know people show. I don't know, white people wearing guns or black people stealing from shops or fucking you name it, like, you know, whatever political drama is happening at that moment. And um, people are going to be able to make up videos of all sorts of stuff that isn't real posted on there. And I guess people are going to get jaded very quickly. I can imagine, like, imagine two, three years from now when you can't tell when any video is real or not. Um, I imagine, you you know, people would get jaded by that. I wonder if, like, like you'd have to have like a licensed camera or video camera with like KYC or something on it. And that KYC somehow bookmarks or watermarks that video as being yours somehow. That might be sort of like kind of a chain link function, like an Oracle service where it connects to telephoto and video equipment. So you can confirm that something actually is real versus like made fake from AI. Cause if that stuff looks this good now, I mean, shit, like <laughs> you're going to have, gigantic amounts of fake content um you know so much so that like you won't be able to tell it's real at all and so far i think like the ai stuff 
you can kind of tell it's AI, right? Like the, the mid journey things or whatever. It has that kind of very polished sort of look to it. That's not quite real, but this stuff looks really quite realistic. And if it's like understanding physics and whatnot, then you can, it can basically take those videos and even to get a still snapshot, it can get a still snapshot from one of those uh, video um, sequences um, and get the physics and the lighting and everything correct in a three-dimensional space and then get, get you a picture. So that's a very different thing than creating just like a 2D regenerative art type of thing, uh, which what you've seen so far in the last couple of years. Anyway. Cool stuff. Mm. Um, just kind of flipping through my computer here, seeing if anything else interesting. Stocks are up. Um, pretty much everything I have in the stock market's kind of popping off. It's hard to find like things for a discount, so I periodically will post a stock that I'm down on just so that like uh, that has good dividends. So if you're interested in checking those out, you can. Mm. I, I think it's good to look at rec charts in all markets, not just crypto. There's always something out there interesting. Um, but let's see here. Yeah, so total three, um, which is the, the altcoin uh, space in general that does not include Ethereum. I think the whole thing is like just primed to rip essentially. Um, why do I say that? It's because you've had this very, very long consolidation period for total three. It looks exactly like the chain link chart. And um, it began when we dropped below kind of uh, like the $476 billion market cap. And we kind of broke out above that level and um, is testing kind of its next FIB level up. And um, really just timing like, there's really nothing stopping the altcoin space from ripping from here. Um, I suppose it's possible we go sideways for a few months or some shit like that, but there's nothing really stopping from ripping from here just because BTC is uh, doing pretty well. Um, if you get really lucky, Bitcoin gets a pullback. Um, all of the coins take a dump. And if you have cash on the sidelines, you'd be able to jump in because definitely a lot of people I think are feeling that. Um, regret that you know they didn't get into their favorite you know coin that's running or you know there's some people like oh i wish i got into tau or some people are like oh i wish i got into casper whatever but if you have a pretty good general market dump for any reason i would watch for something like that to uh hop into some things um but i mean even now most of these things are pretty good buys in my opinion um so I, th I think most most coins, if you're a buyer today, um, you're in an acceptable position in terms of risk return ratio. Um, plenty of stuff that's down if you're not sure what to look at as far as things that haven't really run yet. I would say the most really, really most obvious ones here in the yet to run list um, are going to be uh, chain link, you know, versus the Bitcoin chart, which looks like it's just ready to just explode. Um, it's got basically a gigantic um, inverse head and shoulders, all of that going on. So the chart art looks really good. And then the other one is um, uh, Zephyr, because Zephyr's got one of the best retracements right now. So you want to you want to grab things that have pulled back, 
and that you can get a like a pretty credible 10x on. And I think from the bottom to top of the most recent bottom to the top of you know, run into like a hundred bucks or 140 bucks is very, very feasible uh, in the next sort of push. Uh, once it does that, like, you know, it might go sideways again for a period of time. Sideways meaning plus or minus, who knows, like 50 bucks or whatever. Um, go sideways and then um, and then eventually go for another exponential move. So, um, yeah, during consolidation periods for these coins, you know, somewhere between 10 to 80% retracements and stuff is normal. And then uh, that can vary dramatically. And then when things start to run, it's after they have sort of consolidated that new level and built sort of a volume uh, base there, which I think uh, Zephyr has done a pretty good job here. Um, you know, is it going to go down again to, um, you know, retest that $10, $11 area? I don't know. No idea. Not, no, no idea for sure. But let me see what happened with the supply of Zephyr here. We are now at 3.138 million supply. It seems like the supply production has slowed down a little bit. Um, I can sense it in my miners too. The difficulty is at a level where I'm not mining as much, which is good, which means there's less supply coming into um, into the space and less that has to be sold off. But be aware that you know with proof of work coins, um, the early on in the project, the earlier you are in the project, the less the difficulty level is to mine and therefore the more supply that's coming into the market, that supply could get sold and keep price down uh, for periods of time. Um, do I know exactly how long and all that? I have no idea. Um, there's no way to predict any of that. So there's a bit of a, a like the only thing that you can do is have time in the market. You're not going to really be able to know for sure exactly when the demand outstrips the supply and whatnot. So just uh, you know, DCA or do something like that into it if you're picking up any coins right now. Um, let's see here. Uh, anything else? Uh, Adam has pretty much been sort of languishing at about 10 bucks. Um, it might go for another run. It looks like it's um, doing pretty good in terms of picking up buyers, and there's a fairly good number of stakers increased as well, which means that that reduces the selling pressure some. There's just not that much attention on Adam. Um, so that may be why it's not doing much of anything. It's kind of doing that. It's like poke it with a stick and see if it moves kind of thing. Um, let's see what else. XMR did a little pullback to like 125. I originally bought it at like 120. Um, that's going to be a big experiment since it's delisted from Binance in terms of is it going to find buyers or not? Um, ah, now that we're talking about it, Zephyr's going up. One of you jackasses went and bought some, I think. Um, <laughs> it's like 1760 now. It moves really easy, by the way. Um, you'd be shocked how little money has to show up uh, to cause Zephyr's price to move, um, given that the market cap is relatively small. If you try to buy any significant amount, it automatically pumps the price um, quickly. 
market makers tend to take advantage of that though. So if you want, if you want to like contribute and want to make the price go up, what you do is you, you get a um, bag of uh, USDT and you just leave a limit order um, down to a lower price. So put a limit order at like 12 bucks for Zephyr. And the more limit orders that get put in, the more likely market makers think, Hey, we can't make money there because uh, there's already people that area is crowded. So there's a tendency for people to move up their bids if they find a lot of limit orders there. It's the so-called buy wall effect. Um, whether you actually intend to buy some or not it has a bit of that effect psychologically. Um, okay. Mm, I don't know if up is available. Up you there, down there? I don't know if you're free or working or what. Um, I have not gotten any more Zeph miners. I've got the two that I have, they're working quite well. Uh, one's the, I think the AMB 7900 and the other one's AMB 7950, I believe are the numbers. Um, and they're working well. And I've currently got like a hash rate. I've got a hash rate of like 36,000, I believe, hash per second. And I am at about 11 Zephyr Mind. And the device has been moving, going quite smoothly, no overheating, no problems. And um, I haven't really touched them in well over a month or more. So it's just like making money. So like pretty much if, if Zephyr, if I mine 20 coins, which, you know, like it might take a few more months to get to 20 coins. And if Zephyr's at a hundred bucks, I pretty much paid for the two computers. Like that, that's kind of the level that we're at. So this is the time really, if you're going to mine, um, you want to do it while the difficulty is low and um, you want to do it while there's considerable upside in the coin and um, where you can break even on the price of your rigs if you'd like to. I'm not going to sell my Zephyr. Like I have way more Zephyr than the actual mine amount. I'm just going to store all that shit and just hodl it and basically like keep up mining capacity to make it harder for other people to mine it. <laughs> so the supply moves into the hands of a hodler essentially and into into my uh, wallet where it just sits there up how you doing man what are you up to good just um hanging out and like you were saying yeah. too not to add to like with the this the way that these emission curves work there's more coins being mined today than there is tomorrow and the following day and the following day so if you're going to mine like do it now not later yeah no it's definitely early is good um yeah. both for buying the coin or finding the coin either one um i'm going to leave my miners running for you know, however long I might just like, depending on how everything's going, I might just let them run for years, not even worry about them really. Um, cause like, like what's, why bother messing with them? Right. <laughs> Unless they're just completely ridiculously unprofitable or something. Yeah. The only time you want to mess with them is when they have updates on, um, XM rig, which there should be one coming out soon this year at some point. Oh really? So what do you have to do at that point? Uh, you just hit a up like on under Hive. You just hit the update button, and then it'll update it and restart your rig, and then back to mining. It's like five seconds. Oh, Hive will take care of that. Yeah, it takes care of everything. And the the update they're doing, the XM rig team is doing, should make the um, Ryzen CPUs about fifteen to twenty five percent more efficient. Oh really? Yep. <clears throat> nice. Okay. Yeah, it's going to make the Ryzen. That's, come out. The Ryzen. That, that's coming out to come in a week or what? Uh, they said 2024. And that was like Q4 in, in Q3 or Q4 of 2023. That's what they were talking about releasing it in 2024. I don't know when, but it should be coming out. I would think this quarter or next quarter. 
The XMR folks said that. Yeah, the XMR open source team. Okay. Or XM rig, since they do, you know, they they just make the um, miner, and then anybody that uses, um, you know, this algo or other ones can piggyback on it. Random X. Are they maintaining the kind of ASIC resistance pretty well? Yeah, that's what they're. The other thing they're doing is is that they're the. Um, that's the whole reason for the update was because there was some improvements on the CPU, like x86, x64 architecture side. And then the risk side, they're going to be um, basically is it, it. I don't I don't know if it's taking it down, like if they're stepping it down or if the um, increase in the risk or in the uh, x86 and x64 x, uh, side, like Essentially, there was going to be a 25% increase in regular CPUs and then like a 15 or a 20% decrease in, in, in those um, X5s, the risk, the risk architecture type setups. I'm getting kind okay. of technical, but um, yeah, yeah. So essentially it's, it's going to make everybody that has CPU mining more efficient and then any of the ASICs that are on the network less efficient. So it's, it's you know, back to the utilitarian model of mining of home miners. Nice. Okay. Mm, good, good. What do you think overall of the mm, charts on the various proof of work coins? Are you following anything else that looks like? I was looking at it earlier. I, I was, I was just cruising around, like trying to see what's, uh, you know, what's pumping and what's not that AIPG one that we were looking at several weeks ago is down in the dumps. The, um, ALF is up you know, back to almost three bucks again. So that one, Faded what is, the, is there any special point of alpha or is it like low market cap number go up you know what it is, is it's a it's pretty much another like cons kda concept where they use like sharded um proof of work mm -hmm. and so there's a bunch of you know it's it's it hasn't ran yet too so i think that's what's happening is that there's a bunch of people that are um jumping on it because it's a it's got some cool interesting tech and it hasn't there you know the chart isn't it hasn't been exploited yet hmm so they, I heard I've heard them on a couple like different spaces and everything, and their team seems very um, like they're not slow. They're quick to change, and they they've got they 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 do a lot of engagement with the community. Um, they they seem pretty like a bright like a bright and and good team to be, you know, putting your bags on. Really? Okay. Yeah, the um, AI Power Grid for some reason like the name strikes me as kind of grifty. Yeah. Like. <laughs> It's kind of like, look at me, we're following the AI wave. And, you know, it, may, it could be a good project. It's just like, I'm not sure it's such a great name. Mm, anyway. Yeah, I don't know about it either as far as that goes. Like, I was able to pull a 2x on it and I took my initial out. And then I let it sit there and like it dropped like 80%. So I just took the rest of it out. Just said, screw it. <laughs> he's, he's just like, it may run again. It could. It's only 11 million market cap. It certainly could. It's basically got $343,000 traded volume at the moment for a, about 12 million market cap coin. I, I don't know if this thing is useful or not, but its supply right now is only 49 million with a total supply of 200 million. I don't know where the rest of that supply is. And I don't either. To be honest with you, it's more of a gamble. The other one that I was looking at is that uh, Space Mesh. And I, I invested in it a while back and like it fell off the cliff after the, there was this company or this exchange called Safe Trade that did some like, um, they upgraded their system. And when they did that, like they froze everybody's wallets and it got all weird for like a week or two. 
Um, but that, mm. it caused that coin to go up to like four dollars, and then it's crashed down to like a dollar and change. But now I, huh. I see a lot of the same crowd that's that 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 bit tensor tau and cubic. The same crowd that's pumping those two is, seems to be talking about space mesh again, and it's the ticker on that one is SMH. So you SMH. Yeah, it's it's very similar to um, Chia, where that's uh, using like plots on hard drives to use for their consensus. It's still proof of work though. Um, but it's just, it's kind of like Zeph in the sense that they're trying to target home people that to use their home PCs so that anybody that has a PC can basically mine using their hard drive to create consensus for the network. So it's P it's like real P to P. Space mesh, SMH. Space mesh, yeah. The only, the only bad thing I could say about them is that their node, they have like a, a you know, like everybody, like any other project, they have like a full node with their wallet. And it works. It works okay, but like whatever they're doing on the back end is shit. And the reason why I say that is that like I look at the log, and there's a lot of like it's trying to sync all the time. And they're the good news is is that they have a team that's constantly developing and like updating it because I've seen them push like five or maybe ten updates in like the last year. Yeah, if they've even been out for that long. But since I've been running or messing with them, I've seen them push updates a lot. So they are working on it, but. I will admit that it's not the smoothest um, piece of software I've ever interacted with in the crypto space. Yeah, it's so it's so kind of maybe on this one. It's got high trading volume right now, at least like eight hundred fourteen thousand dollars. That's what I'm saying. But the the influencers are, have picked it up, man. Like there's like like the um, the same ones that are pumping Tao, like the what's okay. the, what's that guy's name? Bongo, Dread Bongo, and all those. The his crowd. Okay. So he, it's like, it's one of these things where you got to have like basically an advocate for the coin, someone who really thinks it's, you know, amazing for some reason. And SMH is on, is its own chain, right? Yeah, it's its own chain. I don't know. It's not on coin. It's not on coin market cap. It's only on coin gecko. And on there, you can't actually see what the. I so think it's being traded. If you look at, go to, go to uh, there's a website I like to use for these small cap coins and it actually works pretty good for the larger ones too, but it's called like Live Coin something. Let me find out exactly what the. Live Coin? Live, live Coin Watch. Yeah, Live Coin Watch. And that has like just rando coins. That'll have it. like all the smaller coins with the, uh, like it shows like their market caps and all that and it tracks them where they're being sold at. It's, it's similar to a coin gecko. Um, but it's that's it has all the smaller I'm gonna, ones too. I'm gonna bookmark this thing. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, let's see what kind of data we can get on here. Um, so this thing's been out since like October 23, something like that, as far as this chart's concerned. Yeah, it hasn't been a year then. I know it hasn't on Bing X, Safe Trade, and XC.com. And market cap of 422 million. So it's relatively high. It is, and it's not. It's not on any other whatever this. Is. Yeah, it's only on three of these little small ass exchanges too. Like the biggest one, I think, out of all of them is Bing X. Okay. Yeah, it's very tough to tell with the influencer crowd. You know, the thing about influencer crowds is what I've noticed, especially, and I saw this was happen with Zeph, for example. Um, the first run of Zeph, um, it was a mixture of things. It was like myself and Bruce. And like a few people buying coin, but that wasn't really the whole picture. It just so happens right when you told me about Zephyr was also, it happened to be like right when um, 
like a whole bunch of videos came out on YouTube also. So I think it was like gearing up and then we just happened to buy it and it happened to moon right after we bought it. So I was like, oh, wow, we did it. You know, I don't think it was that. It was just like a confluence of influencers in a sense. Um, the thing about these influencer pump ones is that like if they're not great projects, what can happen is, is that when whatever reach that particular influencer has um, like diminishes, then you're waiting for some other influencer to grab the coin, get a substantial enough bag in it to where they're like hyped about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and then pump it or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. And so I, I, I really don't know with all these various coins, like which ones to bother with and which ones not. It can take quite a bit of like research to get into figuring out what's a good coin and what isn't. The reason why I bought this one was the, is the, um, people who are shilling it and then where it's traded at and it, once it okay. hits like mexi or like an actual tier two or tier one i'm gonna get out because there is there isn't any like fundamentals that are in it that i really like care about care about no yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's a it's a pump if you can get a few multiples just call it a day yep. <laughs> or maybe like just it, uh, maybe it gets to a billion I, I do like how they have the like mining setups where just like Zeph is, where anybody with a PC can do it, so it's real, you know, crypto. Um, mm -hmm. But that's about it. Like, yeah, I bought a bunch of it down to like two dollars and one dollar and change. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. If you look um, at the chart, yeah. and and the reason why it pumped like that in in uh, November was the uh, safe trade. Something happened with Safe Trade, like they were moving, or I can't. Like I said, their like little UI was being upgraded, or they were doing something, and I think people were buying it to like move it off their exchange, and then they got stuck. Okay. And then you, if you look at it, it dumped to shit, and it was because it got everything got stuck there. But they, I think they turned on like USDT, but not other things. So people started selling shit just to exit the exchange. Yeah, I'm looking to see what kind of metrics this website has on it. I haven't used this one before. Um, it's good for the small coins, none of the big ones. It's got a bit. Of, it's got some kind of a. It you're able to pull up like a depth chart on here too. I don't know if that's how many exchanges that's getting info from. It's Zeph breakdown, Mexi Global, Xe.com, Safe Trade, Trade Ogre. I'm just looking at Zephyr here just as a comparable, since I know it to see what kind of data they provide. It's a pretty cool website actually. Gives you your market cap. Gives your um oh they even like link you to the proper twitter page for that particular coin why did mm -hmm. Chain go up 30 percent in the last 24 hours you know is it just a squeeze or what Ooh, i have no idea v chain um those v chain dudes like you know like every season they'll they do a lot of marketing and shit i have no idea if v chain does anything yeah that thing is like a ghost chain though isn't it I think like they have some implementations. They're not completely, you know, it's not like nothing's going on there, but it's, I'm not sure that anything dramatic has really um, happened on that chain in recent memory, but it's market cap right now is 3.3 billion at the moment. And they do all sorts of shit. Like they put like uh, training videos on Coinbase and stuff for you to watch and then earn some coins all those kinds of things, yeah. just marketing ploy, basically. It did pop a little bit. Um, 
you know, maybe beginning like a bit of an impulse move, but I mean, damn, like from $3.3 billion market cap, like, I mean, what do you think this thing's going to do this? No, season? I don't think I mean, it's going to run. I was just like, wondering why it went up 20, 27% or 30% or whatever in 24 hours. Oh yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just talking to myself. It's more like, like what, what I think it's going to do is like, it's like nickel five cents and it's previous high was at 26 cents. So about a five X from here that would put it at about a 16, 17 billion dollar market cap. You know, that's a good reminder, by the way, just remember like, how high these fucking coins went back then like just ridiculous numbers for something that doesn't really do very much that's what i was telling my wife earlier is that uh i don't i was if you would ask me a year ago if if crypto would have ever pumped that hard again i would have been very cautious but with this recent uh, etf inflow like i'm kind of wondering if we're about to see the largest uh bull run we've ever pumped ever yeah, I mean, it's like the ETF inflows could be gigantic. I don't know if they're as big as like stimmy checks and low interest rates and all of that. Because yeah, the, that's what I was saying is that uh, there was so much frothiness going the, on back then. Like, I didn't think so, the but. luxury market. The luxury market's down also. Um, expensive cars, expensive watches, um, like you name it. Pretty much the luxury space was sort of in a bear market, and I believe the collectibles stuff too. Someone was talking about that, like. Pokemon cards and shit were in a relative bear market as well. Yeah. So everything sort of took its nosedive with um you know, anything on the far end of the risk curve, as they say, has you know pulled back. And I don't I don't really know if that where the money comes from to pump this market. Um is it enough to get those ETF inflows and that'll just sort of like send us? Maybe. I don't know. Um so part of me says, okay, like we have just this mega run over the next nine months. Um, assuming that BTC just continues to climb and climb and climb. Uh, another part of me says maybe this is like a multi-year run that it will go, it'll be slow and steady, like over an extended period of time. And why would that be interesting? Because instead of having a gigantic pump and a gigantic dump, what if it is different this time, where it just way more slow and steady? There's not like abundance of excess cash, so people have to work at their jobs for years to come and continue to buy into crypto and accumulate, and then things keep climbing over time. I don't know. I'm just like making up nonsense, but I, you know, or maybe I'm just wrong and I'm in disbelief, right? Like the disbelief phase is exactly this part where you're like, is it really going to be a bull market? But remember this in like back in 2020, it felt exactly like this though. Like <laughs> there was no, like back in 2020 is like, wait, are we, are we really going to go up? And I remember like YouTube channels, like, you know, Ben Cowan became sort of famous during that time uh, as he kind of made his little like bull market band type of thing. And he yeah. was bearish. I remember him like, you know, I remember um, BTC would be like at like 16K. And I'm like, dude, that's pretty fucking bullish. We had a bear market rally and we now went over that level from the previous couple of years. And I was like, we're going to run. It looks pretty good. And he's like, oh, no, we got to be cautious here. And then there were charts. Remember, remember charts people were posting back then? It'd be like some sort of ridiculous um, Elliott Wave theory shit. And they would show BTC going back down to like 1,000 yeah. or like, or like you know, these ridiculous nonsense numbers. <laughs> so like, so there, even, even right before previous bull runs, it was like this disbelief behavior was very common, um, what even was, amongst ourselves. What was the, the search engine trends doing back then though? Because that's part of what I was basing my, that and then like, 
app downloads and then all the other metrics, you know, like all of that stuff is pointing yeah. to retail not being here at all. Like everything we're seeing is ETF inflows and crypto bros. Yep, that's my sense. I mean, like, let me pull up Google Trends right now. In fact, let's see. Let's let's answer that question. Um, let's just type Bitcoin as the search term. Which I imagine if we keep climbing, there's only going to be so long before the media starts talking about, oh, Bitcoin makes a new all-time high. And then, you know, they start just reporting on it like crazy. There's, there's been a little bit of Bitcoin talk, though. Yeah. Like, Pomp was on. Yeah. It start, it start, the, the hype cycle's begun at some level. Um, let me see here. Um, so Google Trends, um, and this thing only goes, does this go lifetime or only to 2005? What's 2004 to present? Let me get the full history of this. So for BTC, um, let me see. It's So if you look at a scale that includes 2004 to present, um, which basically is like the longest it goes in this like in Google Trends, it doesn't let me like. I don't think BTC was only around since like 2009, right? So it's yeah. But the point is, like, it doesn't allow you to go set the range, like the year you want. It, the oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Quarter present. So based on that, like the highest um, Bitcoin search trend volume was back in December 2017, where it reached 100 on Google Trends. Um, the the cycle after that, it only reached 67 in terms of relative strength on this trend list. And then um, right now, like this recent run up, we got as high as 28 and now we're at like 19. So it's not really very high, but like the baseline has gone up. Like we, we're not going down to levels that are below. We're not going back to 2017 levels. It's like a higher low, essentially. Yeah, I know you're saying. Yeah, it keeps going down a little bit. Like, it's not going back all the way down. And the interesting thing was, okay, so back in, um, so we had our bear market rally, I think like June 2019th or so. It had a had a bump up. And then, um, let's see, we had a bunch of, we had some searches during the capitulation from the COVID crash, March 2020, for sure. It got up to only like 19 or 21, which is not a big search increase, at really, if you think about it. Then it bottomed out at 13, which was September 2020. And then, um, you know, by the time price was going up, like, you know, come Christmas time and whatever, price was sort of steadily rising and search trend was just rising, rising, rising along with it. And you had the biggest run up in search for Bitcoin from September 2020. Um, to January 2021, we're really talking about let's see September, October, November. Yeah, five months. Um, you had like this big run up in search trend. So when this stuff gets going, it like it goes pretty. You know, it's like lighting a rocket on fire once it starts. But um, you know, this recent sort of blip that we've had is that enough to you know send it and get people's excitement going? I don't know. But here's the thing, like. Most of this search trends happen like due to the price going up, not that people are searching. Well, I guess a feedback loop, you never really know for sure. There's the people that are searching, want to know where to buy Bitcoin or whatever, the newbies. And then there's the um, people looking up news about Bitcoin. Why is it going up and this kind of shit? Um, so you, you have a feedback loop of like attention begets attention and it all goes up. But my sense is that like, if you look at kind of when we're buying, we're usually buying when nobody cares. And it appears that 
um, like we will see things like, for example, an influencer pump on uh, like for Zephyr just recently, remember like in October and you'll see almost no search traffic until after price goes up. And then all of a sudden the search traffic increase. So when you get granular with it, I'm pretty convinced that like the price is the meme and that induces people to go, Hey, what is this thing? And I'm, I'm guilty as anybody of doing this. Like, you know how you see a, people posting charts of some coin is going up. You're like, Oh, why is that going up? What is Tau yeah. doing? What's bit tensor or whatever? Like you, you tend to go care about it once the price runs. Um, so I think that's a, that's a phenomenon, but I, yeah, as far as like right now, we haven't really gone. Um, yeah, like there, there's definitely just a higher average search volume for Bitcoin, but not. Let me try crypto in here. That can be another term. Let's see what 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 it says here. Um, yeah, for crypto, we're at a compared to all time high. So all time high for the word crypto instead of Bitcoin was in the 2021 bull run, and the level 100 for that was around that time so both of those peaks you know the bull market peaks and uh, we're at currently at 30 for february 24 and with the lowest we went was 20 so i don't know people people have been searching crypto during the bull market i mean bear market i'm sorry so um but just that initial blip that that's on here so far the thing is are, are more people going to search crypto this time than the last bull market um, that's the question that we don't know about for sure. What if we have a weird like bear market rally type of thing where we don't actually go as high as before? Um, that makes me nervous too, because like at some level, you know, inflation's bothering people, and they're like, interest rates are really high, and they're like, fuck it, if I make it in crypto this time, I'm really going to pay off my house or whatever, right? So if that if that behavior is really aggressive, then the market won't go up as much. So you you never really know. That's a good point. I like this. This. I a lot of people got smarter from the last cycle. What? What, man, man, what are you saying? I'm saying don't talk like that. But fud my bags. I know. Okay. Delete that from the record. <laughs> like strike it. Yeah, I hesitate to even talk about it because you end up manifesting it, kind of. So fudding the bags is a real thing. Oh, no. Like Bitcoin's going to 500,000. Chainlink's going to 1,000. Zephyr's going to, you know, 10,000. That's better. <laughs> Moonboy talk is much more useful fundamentally than, than, uh, than rational thinking in these markets. It's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, are we early or are we just kind of going to drag sideways for, and go much slower? Um, I don't know. What do you prefer up? Like, do you prefer a slow and steady for years or do you prefer things pump 10x right now and, I just want volatility. I'm a trader, man. I don't care what, you know, what happens. You want that, you want that volatility back. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. Well, I mean, I, I can enjoy if we sit steady, like chop sideways with Bitcoin, if alts do something, but if everything just sits steady and people, I'll get bored and so will everybody else. And then that's not good. Yeah. Boredom's not good because like, um, people pull, pull the money and find other places to go. Yeah. That's a possibility. But the other thing is, um, a slow ramp up also is much, much better for the so-called investor. And sometimes what happens is, is that if markets will sort of climb steadily up over time and leave behind all of the, the traders um, and, and only by just sitting in your spot bag and just waiting 
you know, in those markets, that's the only way to win pretty much. Cause if you try to trade your way out of it, you'll get chopped out and, yep. or get bored or something like that. So that's why like this season, uh, fearing exactly that scenario um, that, you know, it's just kind of a sideways chop or something. Willie Wu thought of, you know, thought something like that could be the case this time as well. Just macro conditions or whatever. That's why I just bought a whole bunch of spot bags. I'm just sitting on them. That's it. Like I'm pretty much done trading except maybe, um, you know, if I have money coming in to my possession over the next six months, if I see some good deals on things and things that drop in price, or maybe something new that comes out where we can get in early, then, um, maybe jump into those things. Um, so, cause if we're, if we're going to put new capital into things, I think you either want to go for something very safe and unlikely to lose you much money or be like very, very early, very high multiples and park it in those things just for the, for the, at least for the trade of it, even if it's high risk. Do you know about any new ones coming out? Um, I don't. Um, the most recent thing I picked up was Dimension. Um, and that went well. Um, yeah, I heard you talking about it the other day. I was fucking off in that period of time. I wasn't, I was like trying to recharge batteries. So I didn't even look at my. <laughs> I, yeah, I got dime, uh, my dime bag. Kind of funny. Um, got the dime bag at, uh, yeah, like three something and it's sitting at like eight bucks now or something, nice. which is not bad. Um, I didn't get very much though, so not much to brag about there. Um, it's too late to claim that one, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I claimed anything. Oh, you didn't? I thought there was an airdrop with it, but maybe I'm thinking, I'm, that's DYM, right? Yeah, I think they did have an airdrop, but yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, DYM. Um, it's um, currently at like 1.1 bill market cap and FDV of 8 billion. Oh. And circulating <laughs> supply is only like 146 million and the total supply is a billion. So it's one of those deals. Yeah, sounds like Tia. Yeah, it's just like TSA and all this shit. That's why like these things, I've kind of opted to not get too greedy with them. Even my dimension, I just, I bought a certain amount. And then I just sold half, like, you know, when it doubled, not for any particular great reason, just because why, like, you know, whatever. And, you know, you don't know the, like, if I've gotten to the point where it's like, wait, if you make a two or three X on something, you know, and if you don't really care that much about it, you could let it ride or you could just uh, sell half or sell all of it and go put it somewhere in something that you have more conviction on. That's what I do. I'm with you, man. I, I I take my wins where I can. I'm not trying to look for no 50x on something I have no idea or no conviction in. Yeah, and the thing is, they they may do fantastic. Um, oh yeah, all no, of we're gonna if I plan to play, you're definitely gonna miss one of them. It's just the way it works. But this is like if yeah. you're playing in the stock market, you'd be happy with 10. percent So if you got like 300, percent like what are we gonna right? About? I mean, if it's it depends on what type of which of your money bags you're talking about spending. If it's money that you don't really want in the market for very long and you're like, ah, oh, it's a two X, I'm out, well then fine, whatever, right? Like not everything has to be sitting here for two, three years waiting for a bull market to finish. Um, so I, I think that's the the idea. That and if you have capital laying around, you can go buy other shit. You know, there's always some some random thing that shows up and you can two X something else and two X something else. 
Um, so that's that's a that's a possible opportunity. Did you pick up any Andromeda? I did not, mostly because the the valuation was just just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like that's the main reason I didn't. Um, the other thing is like it's not just the valuation; it's just the tokens distributions. Again, one of these heavily centralized distributions. I get it; they want to raise funds and whatever. But like, this is not a chain that really, this is not like a DeFi chain. So the trouble with utility chains is, you know, like an Andromeda or a noise or something like this is like, who's going to show that thing ultimately? That's the question, you know, because if you have NFT projects on a layer one, right, you got people talking about that or you have a DEX or whatever. These kind of utility projects that have a chain, have a coin. I mean, fundamentally, it's a fundraiser thing. And probably you'll use the coin maybe for like some of their for some of their automation stuff. I don't even know if the coin accrues value or anything like that. So it's one of those things to read the white paper on, I suppose. But it's like these things tend to be very, very overvalued very quickly. And you know how these things go in a bear market. They yeah, get absolutely wrecked. So the, so the problem is like you buy one of these things at a value at whatever arbitrary valuation they get released at. It's FDV right now, six hundred and thirty million. Um, you, you buy these things at an arbitrary valuation. The coin itself has no utility to you, so it's not like Zephyr. Um, the coin like may not have a value accrual mechanism, like an atom or something, and it just becomes another inflationary Cosmos Layer One chain. If you buy it at the wrong price, you could be a bag holder for years and years, um, quite literally. Like it's like you you have no idea. This is the problem with stuff that's not like really really fair launched um, or. Maybe if you had like an early, you know, um, you were an early seed investor or something like that, maybe. But outside of that, and I, and I think that was offered, I was offered an Andromeda seed investor round, I think. I didn't really pursue it because I didn't want a KYC or whatever the fuck else I need for that thing. So I, so I didn't do it. But anyway, <laughs> you, like it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, but these are the rationales for why it just didn't really float my boat. You know, at this point, like the way I think of it is like this. Number one, if I simply want a coin that I know is going to go up, um, like with, with a high level of certainty, A, you have simple Bitcoin. Um, even Ethereum probably will go up from here. But Chainlink's even better chart than both of those because it's such, it hasn't been, it had no attention on it for quite some time. So to me, it's like Chainlink's the easy bag to like 5x plus. And I don't have to worry about it at all. I can put as much capital in it as I want to because it'll be around and it's undervalued relative to the rest of the market. So it's like, that's right now my benchmark. If, if I'm going to take a new bit of money and I want to buy something, is it going to perform as least as good as Chainlink or more? And if the, the outcome is going to be that it's more, then like, what risk am I taking buying that coin as far as like, bag holder risk um and that's kind of what i'm weighing for each of these things what wallet does Chainlink use mm, you can just use like a uh it's basically like an eth address oh, so it's like a okay i've, I've mm -hmm. never held it on i've like traded it on exchange but i never held it yeah um yeah it, you can just use like a metamask for it but um yeah, it depends on where you keep it. If it's just like on Coinbase or whatever, it's fine. Um, they've never lost anybody's money, I don't think. Um, 
so yeah, it depends on if you're just trading it or whatever. But it like, uh, but the reason I hold it is for these reasons. It's like it's kind of the legit trade, so to speak. Um, it's also one of those that if I just hold it for a few years, it could be one of those actual you know giga growth projects, you know, like a a Google or an Apple kind of thing. If they really get gigantic, then its current market cap is minuscule compared to what it can be. I mean, hell, even in even even in this type of bull, even in a bull market, it could easily 10x um, as one of the more credible credible types of projects out there. So, um, yeah, getting to a like a hundred billion market cap from here or 120 billion is very very doable because right now it's only like 12 billion market cap. So it's it's got the right mix for me of like like if I want to like if I, let's say it takes a dip to 15 bucks or 12 bucks again. Like I can just go sell some stocks and just pile into Chainlink, no problem. Like it's not going to zero or whatever. So to me, it's like that's the one where if I if, if like, I feel safe with that's not Bitcoin or something like that, right? So I, I at the dips, it, it represents a good value, and uh, that's also the reason why I don't think it's going to go down that much because it's such an obvious play for safety uh in the crypto space that like it's a it's a not an unreasonable one that if you've made gains elsewhere you can dump into it which is kind of uh how i look at it anyway that's just my viewpoint but yeah it's my store of value for this this cycle <laughs> if that makes sense um and then zephyr is obviously the the hyper growth story um just because like you know these things can reach a billion market cap in a bull market very frequently did you so see, i'm not too concerned did you see what lizeth wrote five minutes ago uh, in relation to your spot uh your space oh what did he say he said lps will take even more zeph out of circulation and so does zsd minting since it needs zeph in zrs form to back it bull case stronger than ever books are relatively illiquid uh can see zeph run into the triple digits next run up yeah, no, that makes Can you post that in the nest? I just threw uh, the Zephyr swap website in the nest. If anybody's curious to take a peek at it. Yep. And um, yeah, again, like uh, I don't own that website. I have no idea about the safety and details of it. So um, uh, there's not really anything to research. There's not even a point in saying do your own research. I don't know a kind of like, you know, uh, if there's any audits or anything else that have been done on this. So just be aware of that. Um, so if you play with it, I would play play with it in, you know, some rational quantities. I would just do it as a, like quite literally entertainment only and see how it goes. Um, if you want to support the project, throw a little bit here and there just to kind of supply some LP, great. But I certainly, you know, us mentioning it does not mean that we specifically vouch for or know the code or anything like that. So be careful. Um, like, like, oh, you said that the thing, and then the thing went to whatever, and it got rugged or something. I don't, you know. So, new dexes and things, um, new exchanges can be um, problematic if something happens. So, uh, just be careful with your money. And like I said before, use maybe a fresh wallet. Uh, move a little bit of Zeph in there. Move a little bit of the, you know, use a different new fresh wallet for any of your other coins. Move a little bit in there. Connect to this um lp if you'd like do whatever you'd like but just use um do not connect your primary wallet where all your money is to things like this um and again this team might be perfectly fine i have no idea the point is i don't know and you don't either and you you typically want to 
be very, very safe with your wallets when it comes to connecting to new new destinations or new smart contract protocols and things of that nature because you don't know what can drain your wallet and what can't. So uh, it may be fine. And with time, we'll, we'll get a better sense of it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, be careful with that. But I think the bull, bull case is that, you know, the coins that are going to go into the LPs, they're going to have some, they might have some GPC APRs or something. I believe the fees from the swaps are going to be pretty good. So that's where the, the enticement comes in. I did get some XMR personally uh, when it had that capitulation dump in anticipation of maybe supplying some in the swap mechanism uh, at some point, maybe pair it with some Zep or something. So um, XMR is also relatively cheap now. If you're interested, um, you can pick it up on like Kraken. You can get it on MEXC. Uh, if you've, well, if you've been to um, MEXC already, you, you probably already know that you can get it there. Um, I got some on Mexi before, so I know for sure it's there. Anyway, um, yeah, but maybe bullish for it, possibly. We're at like $17.60 Zephyr at the moment, and um, it's kind of like dropped off in volume. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of average volume right now. So who knows? We'll see. Um, let's see. Anything else up? Any any of their holdings that you have they're interesting. Let me look. Hold on. Any coins or anything? Mm. I see Mars and White Whale are headed downward. Mars and White Whale. What happened to those two? Yeah, I have some Mars. Um, I haven't gotten any White Whale yet. Me neither. Let me see here. Mars Protocol. Yeah, Mars took a dump. It was up around like 17, 18 cents, and it's down to like 14 now. Yeah, I mean, it, it ran with... I think with it's total, 40% down from the top. It ran, it ran with Title Three, so it's down like everything from those little pullbacks. It's kind of... Um, yeah, it hasn't... I'm not, I'm not sure what the value proposition of Mars is, too. It has a low market cap, like 20 mil, but a high fully diluted valuation of like 150 mil so i don't really know about the tokenomics of the thing or whatever i only have it because i got it on uh yeah. as an airdrop it had shitty tokenomics but I, I think they cleaned it up and they're moving to neutron and they're also like whitelisting the, the heck out of a bunch of um like tia and a, a lot of coins that are coming in there for lending so and i wasn't bullish on it in the beginning i actually have a validator around it but i i am now like i'm glad that i've ran the validator and bought some coins because i think that 2024 and 2025 probably be good for that chain in my opinion so odds are you think i should just hold on to mine i'm gonna hold on to it's mine. just sitting there yeah i'm holding i'm what i did with mine is i just staked i staked like most of it and then i have a small bag that i'll like trade with or whatever but is there a staking benefit for this one there like, do you get some yield or something yeah i mean it was i think it was upwards of like 18 percent or something i can't remember how i went but i think that um that recently just dropped to um yeah, to the second circle of hell. Uh, apparently, the um, the staking rewards uh, have to be like voted in, and I think a prop vote is currently in place. Oh, right really? Now, um, to reinitiate the rewards, yeah. Like I think they just stopped. Like you might get like one percent or something like that right now until the the voting is passed. So if you're staking, vote <laughs> if you want the rewards. 
So white whales, um, eh, their price is not doing anything particularly unusual. Um, it had the, I guess it was the Terra dump back in May 2022. And then, of course, like they, the token was migrated to the new Megaloo chain, right? Is that right? And then, like, basically, the market cap. Now I think so. Um, either migrated or they launched a new token, and there's just another one floating around on Classic, being traded for God knows what. Market cap's like 14 mil. It's got a FDV of 21 mil, and then it's got 24 hour trading volume, about 200 thousand a day, which isn't bad. Um, apparently, like, it has some interesting value accrual mechanisms and such from other chains that are or other coins that are staked from in the system i don't remember the exact mechanics i remember uh, jg was kind of going over these things um yeah i bought some at like five cents and then they came out with some announcement that like their private investors uh finally unlocked and then it, shit just went down however then oh when did they unlock exactly you think they sold? Uh, a couple days ago? No, the private investor folks. They probably started selling. I would, you know, because like the thing is, uh, White Whale has gone through so much rough times, you know, like where, you know, they've had to go years in a bear market. And, you know, anytime a team is that sort of, you know, like dragged out in terms of not having any funding or runway. You can imagine, you know, some selling pressure, I would think. <laughs> I'm not sure. I could just be fighting it, but I, I don't really know for sure. Mm. Well, it's crazy. Would you say Osmosis is uh, pulling like a, a bull flag? Is it? Um, Osmo... Osmo token is this the weirdest ass token though, man. I I am not generally a fan of DEX tokens too much. I have a little bit of Astroport or whatever, but DEX token De um sorry, um DEX tokens have the most like fucked up tokenomics of all. Cause you're basically like giving away you're giving away tokens to attract people to LPs and therefore you have this endless sell pressure. But then simultaneously, the idea is, well, if a lot of people use a DEX, maybe some of the people will buy the coins on that DEX and LP with it. So there's this like feedback loop. Um, and it's it's worth a billion now with the 1.6 bill FTV. So it's not it's 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 survived. It's doing OK. Um, and of course, Osmosis stays busy. But I'm like, I don't own much. I used to own more of the token. but. Um, like I got some maybe during the bear market or something. I, I didn't really hold on to it. I, I don't. I just own more of the tokens until I got liquidated. <laughs> what, what, what did you get liquidated? Uh, I got liquidated uh, borrowing against it on Mars, trying to buy uh, what turned out to be the fucking top one. Another thing going down. <laughs> no shit. All right. <laughs> well, um... I'm I'm just a top. Buying bottom selling dumbass in the market, man. Mm. Oh, someone just posted that natural gas has now fallen below dollar fifty eight and is the lowest price since June twenty twenty. I need to go and look at natural gas and buy some stocks in those things because 
<laughs> that's usually when you get these kind of energy stocks when nobody wants them or when the price of energy is really down. Um, XLP is on the way up. TRX is, I think, hitting a new all-time high. Um, but yeah, I don't have any TRX anymore because I aped into XLP with it. <laughs> oh. Which, oh well. Yeah, I mean, everything, everything will go up except the thing that you own. That's usually how it works. Yeah, I'm looking at And then, and then eventually the stuff that you own, eventually the stuff that you own will go up. It just, like, that always happens, though. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have sold that to buy this. And that that you know, thing that you sold goes up. <laughs> I'm not even thinking that because at the same time, I knew there was always a chance of it happening. It's just a case of right. this is the horse I've yeah, no. Like, it's of just, course. yeah. But it still feels like that, though. You're like, oh, damn. Yeah. Should have kept that. Yeah. yeah, in a way, I guess it does. Because, uh, oh, yeah, they're not doing too bad, but they're stable coin usage, if I'm honest. So uh, can't really. Yep, here's. Here's that here's that article about that thing that just came out. Um, Telefonica will be the first member oh, of GSMA to offer blockchain-based SIM swap protection to crypto users via Chainlink functions. So what this is is so one of the products that Chainlink has created is a thing called functions, which is basically like automations and such. Yeah. Um, Telefonica is a specific company that's. Um, and, and this is not the the cell phone company. This is like something else. And basically, they are um, like creating a layer that can basically create SIM swap protection with any company, any telecom that sort of like connects with them. So that's the other thing Chainlink's doing. It's not just like it's not just oracles, and it's not just banking and stocks and whatever. The automation layer is where you can get um, relatively inexpensive compute power tied into your oracles as well. Pretty interesting shit anyway. So it's, just think of it as just a gigantic world computer, basically, is what they're trying to build. And um, like that's what I was saying before. One of the reasons why I bought a fuck ton of Chainlink is because they've got like 90 different programs in their build program, which is like onboarding different DeFi protocols and stuff. And every single one of those is going to post something on Twitter. So the Chainlink um, people post it, the company posts it, everyone retweets all that shit, and it's just nonstop attention. So I feel like it's a good play for media attention. Um, and if you, as you know, like attention is what rules this market, right? Like, oh look, XRP's court case got, you know, released. Token pump, right? Like, it, like you know, like these things are very much news and narrative pump related in many ways, and so. It's nice, like it's nice if you have a project that has an ongoing like stream of good news or whatever. Anyway, um, as as uh -huh. we've been speaking, it's pumped up like three percent there. Which one? XRP. It's now it's gone from oh, it's zero point five five to zero point five seven. Doesn't sound like a lot, but analysts have been saying it's due a parabolic pump. So fingers crossed, right? Yeah. Well, the total three in general is due for a parabolic pump. Like it's been what since October, it's been um, a few months, and in particular with XRP, its last pump was back in November of twenty-three. It doesn't so it's actually retraced. That that pump was no, but it a five seconds. Well, it, it does count in the sense that like it's had a good retracement since then, right? It was just so, a mass sell-off. It was literally just a mass sell-off. That, that was so it pumped yeah. and within six hours it dumped. Yep. 
it went from like it pre-pump it was like 48 cents and it got back all the way back down to 50 cents it lost all of its gains but the point is before a parabolic run a good retracement a very deep retracement makes it more likely for a higher run because the reason is you have only the diamond hands left over right you have seller exhaustion so you want to see this type of chart if you want to buy if, if you're a new buyer today you want to see something where um things have retraced a lot i i'd agree if ripple didn't sell out of the escrow wallet uh, Billions at a time, or millions at a time, uh, like hundred million. Yeah, you know, like, they did the same shit. Yeah, yeah. and like if, if they didn't do yeah. that to pay their staff and shit like that, I'd agree. But because they've got access to currently sixty percent of the non-circulating supply, it's like ah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you, Ripple. We've their got supply, their supply allocations uh, worse than Chainlink's. At least Chainlink, it's like forty-five percent. Even that's pretty high. But even those are not as high as some of these other projects coming out now. Some of the ones we talked about, like Andromeda, Tia, and whatever say network, some of these things have like 80% early investor allocations. It's pretty bad. Um, so all of those are going to reach a certain level, and they're going to go into bear markets that last fucking forever. That's what's going to happen. Um, when you have those kind of unfair token distributions, it fucks everyone over pretty much. Um, at least Zephyr, like, there's a 500,000 token pre-mine um, out of the currently 3 million. And they're probably using some of that for market making and some of the other things they have to do, um, listings on exchanges and those types of things. So that's probably some of the sell pressure was the team, I would imagine. Yeah. That's a team, especially if the team is not rich, because you got to put a lot of money into these liquidity pools and shit, right? We have the Zephyr so possible. in the listener panel, and he does do a few emotes every now and again, so he can either confirm nor deny it if he really wants. <laughs> but if it like it's fine i mean if some of it got sold that's good um it could be bullish distribution in a sense because then that's not a seller later um and then like as the number of coins gets distributed like so once we get to like let's say six million coins or you know whatever then the percentage of coins that are actually owned by the team is much smaller so once you get to 10 million coins mined you know only five hundred thousand of the coins are actually owned by the original team right so um the the relative proportion becomes smaller and smaller the more that gets mined is my point and that's a good thing um so that's fine but yeah i i you know but i think so far as projects are concerned the zephyr allocation to me seems reasonably fair launched compared to a lot of other projects um that keep more of the you know more of the you know the the initial token distribution and such anyway um, and we don't really know how much the initial team mined, but unless they have a mining farm, it probably wasn't too much. And a lot of devs and such aren't necessarily automatically super rich to be going and um, buying up the their their own version of a supply or something. You know, some people are crypto rich, but not a lot. So who knows? Never really can tell, actually. It's quite fun to go up for Zeph again, anyway. So uh, it's almost at eighteen bucks again. Yeah, it'll 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 keep trickling up. Um, I think once once you create a little bit of a floor here, like I said, timing wise, um, some people like on charts to use something called fib time, which is kind of where you pull out this, you know, fib extension chart, but it's times related, not not price, and you drag it out from the previous swing, and it will give you some ideas of where um, people try to behave in a fib time manner to some extent. Um, so, for example, in the case of Zephyr. If I use, let me, let me do a fib time on this. Let's see if I can. Um, 
yeah, Fib time zone it's called. And you just pick a date where the swing starts, pick a date where the swing ends. So that would be like that October to September zone. And it shows, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, so with each Fib time, the we had a we had a swing upwards. So one was on December twenty fourth, and price started to go up. And then again on January 26th, and after that sort of price started to go up, um, like the selling sort of ended. So the next fib time for Zephyr like, is March 30th, which would be, you know, maybe one to kind of bookmark on there. Um, but even before that, um, the but that could be the way these fib times work is that's fib time number three. So a lot of times what happens by then you run up to prior high before that happens so anyway um this can be kind of interesting in crypto charts crypto charts this weird shit works in a way because it's all speculative um if it was like a stock chart or something it doesn't make any sense because there's fundamentals and quarterly reporting and stuff that affects price more so than uh than just random you know price movements but um anyway Yep, it's uh, slowly climbing. It's almost 18 bucks now. It'd be good. So what? where we need to go with Zephyr is we need to hit, like, the previous resistance was um, around, maybe it stopped at about 23, 24. And then, like, there's a volume resistance uh, about right at about 29, 30. Pretty much, you know how this is works, Chugs, is, like, once you go to about 30, the chart looks too good, right? Like, at that point, it looks like it's going to look like an inverse head and shoulders. And at that point, you know, you can post a chart and people can be like, oh, that looks like a good chart. I'm going to go buy some. So it'd be like chart art itself is a meme. Um, it's part of the price meme effect is the chart. Pretty charts make people buy. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. I, it's like, I agree with it because a chart could look like the best fucking, like, let's take XRP this year as an example. There have been two golden fucking crosses on the uh, EMA, uh, EMA 400. It's done nothing. Mm -hmm. It's literally fucking it's nothing. nothing. <laughs> I, in fact, it's got worse. This is why, this is why I've gone away from uh, moving average crosses as a meaningful indicator of anything, because you'll have so many fake sort of moving average crosses. And by the time the cross happens, the other problem I don't like about moving average crosses is, by the time you get a moving average cross, price is usually already doubled by then. Yeah. Times. So the problem is you're very late, and then you're jumping on the bandwagon. And on, it'd be it'd be something if like moving average crosses always meant prices keep going up, but that's not the case either. So here you are late already, and then on top of that, you know, price dumps. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, the amount of people who take crosses. it fucking seriously and start posting like the Bible, like you know, fucking I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, I don't have a quote to fucking hand of the Bible, but it's like they'll start saying that. Look, see, it was gospel. See, there's a golden fucking cut. And you're like, oh, shut the fuck up until the price goes up. Stop talking. So for XRP, um, interestingly, so if you use the 200 day moving average, so a golden cross officially is a, two, a 50 day moving cro average cross. Um, when it crosses the 200-day moving average in an uptrend, the 200-day also has to be an uptrend and you get the 50-day cross, not just simply like, you know, like a bear. So if you get a 50-day moving average cross while the price is in a downtrend, it's basically a bear market rally. So if you pull up XRP's chart, 
That's exactly what happened. 200-day moving average is going down. You get a mean reversion. You get a 50-day moving average cross. And XRP back in September 2022 had a bear market rally and then dumped all the way down again. Then finally, the 200-day moving average finally settles down. It stops going down and starts to climb. And the first, um, the first um, like true golden cross, as I call it, happened in March 22 of um, uh, 2023. And then after that, XRP ran for like, I don't know, uh, from March through, it peaked out in, with, a, with a spike in um, June, which is, I think that was when the, the court case thing so, happened, uh, right? Yeah, I think. I think uh, I, so it was kind of, an up, so it was kind of an uptrend, and then it spiked, and then it dumped. And then the 200-day moving average, though, continued to climb upwards, um, even over, even, all the way to like January 29th, 2024. Oh. And just now, like like in January, the 200-day moving average started going in a downtrend. So XRP needs to get off its ass immediately. Otherwise, it looks pretty bearish, actually. Yep. With When you have a 200-day moving average downtrend is not good. So... <laughs> No, no, I, in I, fact, I, the price today, the price today is at the 200 day moving average, retesting it from the bottom. So if it, it needs to really run now, honestly, like XRP needs to kind of run and it needs to go to like a dollar, like fast, in my opinion. We all agree with over that. We all agree with that. <laughs> Every holder. But over the, by summer, by summer, and I'm, I'm not kidding here, by summer, you want to see like if, to return to sort of a bullish uh look to this it needs to really hit a dollar by like april may june that time period and then the chart will start looking really pretty it makes it likely that it's going to retest all-time high um and um i think you'll be in good shape at that point so anyway but it's very similar to Chainlink's chart in this regard too it's not that different honestly mm -hmm. they're about the same levels um both of them so a lot of the high market cap stuff is sort of like that right now. Um, I think the thing about XRP is like, there's just not that much going on lately as far as news. Is there like, is there anything to really kind of talk about right now or no? They've just bought a new company. I uh, can't remember what it is. Hang on. I'll tell you now. Um, but I mean, is that making waves in the, apparently. like in the, in the XRP community or are they, People going nuts about it. They Bitboy decided to get away from XRP finally, and he was like the XRP, you know, super dork, right? Like for the longest time. No, he jumped. You see he that jumped video on like fucking um, <laughs> after the court case. He shit. He jumps on after the court yeah. case, and then it's only been like four months. But he has to jump off because he's now broke. So yeah, <laughs> he doesn't really. He's the weirdest motherfucker. Bitboy is just such a strange dude. There you go. So Ripple is acquiring Standard Custody and Trust. Okay. Along with its New York charter, so that's that's the latest thing that was two days ago. Standard custody and trust. What is? How does that benefit them? What does it do? Uh, like, how does it fit their business model? I wonder. It'll expand the business it's allowed to conduct in the U.S. Uh, basically, letting it move beyond its payments network, so it can do extra shit. Basically. Okay. It's, well, it's basically uh, them trying to is, get their regulatory licensing, uh, despite the SEC being cunts to them, is essentially what they've been doing with their... I mean, to, get, to get the prior high for XRP, that's about a three and a half X. And the next FIB extension up for XRP is like $4.40. It's pretty high. So to, to create a run like that, it needs to start doing that quickly. Um, but like 
the the bearish case would be nobody's paying attention to it for some reason. It starts to go downtrend from here for any reason. Um, that would be a problem for it as far as the appearance of the chart, not not necessarily anything else. Well, because yeah, that's yeah. Funny. I mean, charts are kind of a meme. So like a good looking chart, people want to buy, but it's like right now it almost looks like a gigantic bear flag. Almost, it's kind of like <laughs> it'd be like it would be a, a lot more bullish chugs if it actually was flat like chain link was during the entire bear market because then you'd have like a nice like flat accumulation range and it looks like seller exhaustion what this looks like with xrp is it looks more like bear flagish it makes people nervous like a gigantic like year year long bear flag and it looks like a ascending thing that could that needs a dump it looks like it needs a almost like a what they call a horn it looks like it has to dump like back to 32 cents or something before it can run if you just kind of just look at the chart art let's hope not like and and it doesn't necessarily mean anything by the way this chart stuff just it's like whatever but like visually it's like if you were to just eye a chart you know if i go into any stock chart and i go oh do i want to buy this um it's not the most obvious one just by looking at it because here's the thing like if you always remember like like when it comes to charts the fundamentals do not matter the sentiment shit does not matter. Do, you know, does the price action reflect um, attention? Like, like, what is it? Do you, can you read anything out of it at all? Is what you what people ask themselves. And I'm not saying that charts can predict a whole lot of anything in the sense that, like, a real world event fundamentals always beat chart technical analysis. So fundamental analysis always beats technical. Say, for example, the court case thing. Or maybe they have some gigantic announcement with some banks or something, right? That'll always beat the chart stuff. Yeah, yeah. But but without that news, people are going to go based on something. They have to like like if they have no other news to go off of, um, then they're going to have they're going to end up having to trade the chart, and that's the only choice that they have left with. And you know, visually, some some charts look better than others. That's all. <laughs> like, wrong, yeah, that's yeah. what I call art, chart astrology, chart art. <laughs> It has, you know, has the right look and just, you know, because nobody wants to buy too high, basically, right? They don't want to be the one to be dumped on. Yeah, they don't want to be left on the bag. Who does? I'm used to it. Oh, feel free to buy up the entire XRP supply then, dude. Madman's going to buy your XRP. No, 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 not off me, the supply. And just hold it. And then when it goes up, like, you know, you got a few billy, don't you? You're just sitting on a few billion. <laughs> so basically, um, yeah, I mean, people want that large, you know, parabolic run up, and the deeper the retracement, the more likely that that holder is going to hold for that 10x. So Zephyr is a good example because it did pull back a good 80%. You know, off the bottom, you know, you could easily do a 10x, and you you only have to get to 102 dollars now to do a 10x off of the recent bottom, right? So or 9x, 10x. Um, and Caspa's chart was just like that. If you go back to Caspa's chart for the past, you know, since it came out, you'll notice that when it pulled back more, like if it pulled back like, you know, se- you know, seventy percent, it it pumped more on the way up. And if it pulled, you know, if it didn't pull back that much, its multiple was less on the way up as well. Um, but pretty classic stuff, like. Um, in terms of just how retracements work, mm. everyone wants to feel like they're getting a good deal. That's the way you have to think of the the investor mind, and uh, they they start calculating in their head like, "Ooh, what happens if the price of this goes to this?" So you know they'll go buy like a, a ten thousand dollars worth of Zephyr, and they'll say, "Ooh, like 
if this does a 10x and it only has to go to 102 and I bought it at $10 and therefore, you know, is that feasible? Yeah. And then they start counting how much that's worth in their head. Ooh, that's worth $100,000. So then it's like, um, so yeah, it's like the, the, the chart kind of sparks the imagination. At the very least, what people do is they start looking at what is the price now versus all-time high? Because all-time high is like a, a concrete destination for in everyone's brain. Like, okay, Zephyr's previous price is 52. It's now 18. Holy shit, it only has to do a 3x to um to make it like to make my bag, you know, triple. And you know, you know how like so what where the chart is truthful is when you see a prior high, we know for sure that sticks in people's brains. We know for sure, because when you look at that, you can't unsee it. And you go, hey, um, I know for sure this could go to $52 again. And the reason I know that is because it's already done it. It'd be one thing to say, you know, like the price of Zephyr was a dollar and people are fantasizing about it, about going to $52, right? But when it actually makes it, that reveals that it's actually possible. And now it's in the realm of actual possibilities. And, um, you know, at that point, it becomes like it manifests itself somehow in the mind of the buyer. On the other hand, it's like also kind of a resistance because on the one hand, like, so if you have a chart that's really wrecked, so if you have one that went from like, I don't know, $100 down to $1, that looks terrible because it just looks like one, it's a pure pump and dump. It looks like there's no buyers at the bottom. Nobody actually wants the thing. And um, it looks like, you know, holy shit, that's a lot of bag holders that are going to sell on me, but it goes on the way up, right? So this is the problem with, and so if you have a really wrecked chart, like you have a chart that's dropped 99%, and uh, which a lot of the altcoin space does, this is the reason why it takes like two years of bear market to finally get momentum again. Um, everyone that previously got, became a bag holder in, the, in two, three years ago, those people need to forget about their bag. Like literally like forget, meaning it's in their wallet somewhere. Maybe it's on exchange. They gave it up for a loss. They said, fuck it, I'm out of here. And they don't even come back to crypto. And so therefore they're not a future seller because if they wanted to have sold, they could have sold on the way down or during the protracted bear market. And that's what we call seller exhaustion. So, so that's why it takes so long to have a bear market. And there's no other way around it. Um, new buyers have to come in who are comfortable with the look of the chart. They're comfortable that it's not going to go down anymore. And then you have to have the old buyers get just bored as fuck and just like step aside. And it's just human psychology. So for humans, it turns out that time period is about one to two years usually. <laughs> so there's like a, there's like a, and this was true, like in the NASDAQ stock bubble crash and stuff. So bubble crashes take a certain amount of toll on the, uh, both the old buyers and the new buyers coming in. But if you're, if you have the patience, that's the thing. If you have the patience to wait a couple of years, um, bear market buys are always fantastic, um, which is why, like in stocks and everything else, I've just gone to just buying only wrecked stocks. Like if I go to the stock market, oh, that one looks wrecked. That one looks wrecked, and then I go research the ones after they're wrecked. I'm like, why are they wrecked? Are they wrecked because like they just are going to go out of business? Or are they wrecked because maybe the times are down? It's a macro condition, and it's going to come back up. Okay, fine. Check, check. I'm going to go buy some of that stock. So that's how I pick up those um, because like. When they're down, it doesn't mean they're going to come back immediately. 
It doesn't mean like, oh, in three months, I'm going to moon. It just means that over a period of one, two, three years, it'll come back up most likely. As the market kind of flips, uh, buyers come back, interest rates or whatever change. And maybe while I wait, I get some dividends, you know, and, and that that they're, you're get, basically getting paid to wait. Um, and same as like staking, you're like just paid to wait by staking if you buy in a bear market. So that's the way to kind of think this through. And I, I think, um, um, yeah, if, if you, that, but that's why like when people say technical analysis doesn't really work and blah, 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 it's not that it doesn't work. It's just like, it's the only information you have about price action is past history. And that's why like, I focus almost entirely on fib levels and extensions because all the other predictive shit doesn't work. Moving average crosses, reversal indicators. You'll notice this, by the way, when you're on crypto Twitter, TradingView, you go to TradingView Marketplace to get like different indicators. You'll see some neat little indicators and they'll have little arrows like a green arrow or a green dot. And that green dot means buy. The red arrow means sell. And you're like, wow, is it that easy? All I have to do is follow this thing and like I could just buy at the green arrows and sell at the red. Turns out none of those things actually work. Like there's there's always someone grifting trying to sell you something. Like like A, they want you to believe that it works. So they post charts that show that it does. So then you're like, well, okay, maybe it works. So eventually you get convinced it works because like, why would this guy be using it if, if it didn't? Like so it's the repetitive like you seeing technical analysis, people use that shit and you think it works. Not really. Um, like, um, so they have all these little things and they somehow like they'll get paid. Like you can, you can subscribe to their indicator or buy it from them and uh, you can get access to their little indicators, which is kind of funny. So they have the different schemes like that, but those indicators, man, like they don't work very well. So the only thing, my question is in my head is there anything that can help me predict future prices or isn't there? Because if there is no way to predict future price at all, then there's no point in like doing any technical analysis of shit. You just simply buy whatever and just hold. There is a way. And just pray. Huh? There is a way. It's called insider trading. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, uh, it's that, supposedly yeah, frowned upon. Uh <laughs> No, but or insider alpha, yeah, like alpha is definitely helpful. The more deeply you're into a project, you'll the more likely you're going to know. Exactly, I agree. A bit, a bit like uh, eighteen point two bucks uh, Zephyr right now, a bit like that. But the point is, outside of that, outside of alpha, like, is there a, is there a way to know what the future price of something is going to be just by looking at prior price action? The answer is clearly no. Like, and I know this for sure because like. Many of the price action moves, you're like, ooh, maybe the chart, you know, maybe he could predict it. But like, it'll be based on some YouTube video, like some doodle, <laughs> like an influencer, will, you know, pick up the coin and start talking about it. And then boom, it pops. And you're like, oh, I predicted it, man. I told you it was going to go up. You know, it's like a lot of the times you don't realize what actually made the market move. And you think it's because your brilliance uh, of understanding human behavior or something. It's not like, it, so the reason why I do the FIB levels and don't worry about time preferences is because. Timing this stuff is practically impossible. Practically impossible unless there's some alpha you know about something happening on a certain date, like in this case, Zephyr Swap coming out or something. Um, that may, may be a little bit of alpha, but that's about it. Like, you, But you're not going to know this by looking at the chart. The chart doesn't tell you when Zephyr Swap's coming out, for example. <laughs> like, It doesn't tell you this shit. So, so I use only the FIB extensions because like, it gives you a way of using your imagination especially on a logarithmic scale 
with these charts and these things move with logarithmic price action when you when because they mark up a lot um so I, on log scale i use the fib levels and you know they, they they do a pretty good job in approximating um you know once you have enough price history it gives you a good approximation of like what levels you'll probably go to um but they don't guarantee anything so but you just use it to just you know it's almost like a thumbnail of approximately like how far you're going to go but um yeah anyway hopefully that helps um Usually, like when you run these fib levels, though, like if it's a smaller market cap, when you break next the previous high, you run more levels up. So take Zephyr for example. Um, now that we've had what looks like a bottom at ten dollars and twenty-five cents or something, I made a new set of fibs. Uh, I dragged the thing from fifty-two dollars at the top to about ten dollars at the bottom, and then you get a new set of lines. And that new set is like at 81, 102, and 141. Now, I don't know for sure that's the proper FIB levels because um, I don't know for sure because we don't know for sure that $10 is the bottom. We won't know that for sure till maybe another six months to a year from now, right? You won't know for sure. The only thing we do know for sure is it went from $1.87 to 52. So that would be the level, that would be the range that you use for your FIB levels is past history with a massive swing high, which is an impulsive move and uh, exponential move. And then you know for sure that you can draw fibs off of that. And I use that to figure out, okay, what's the approximate retracement level? It turns out it's like $9 to $10. And that's about where it came down to, about $10.40 at the bottom um, at one of the lower fibs. And um, so that's a, a way to look at it. And that also coincides with about an 80% retracement. So like with popular coins, things can retrace 50, 60, 70, 80%. Um, they usually won't go down 90 or 99% unless it's a rug pull or it's a bear market. But even up to 80 is possible on low market cap coins. And that's why like, I started buying when, when Zephyr was 30. I bought more at 25, 20, you know, 17, 13. I bought all the way down essentially at different levels. So on the one hand, I draw all these fibs. But the other hand, I don't necessarily like adhere to them as much as I should probably like I just buy when I'm in the mood to some extent, which is kind of funny. So on the way down, I don't really know how far down it's going to go for sure. So therefore, I don't try. I just say to myself, hey, if I buy it at 30 and it goes down to 10, am I okay with that? Okay, fine. I'll get some at 10, 30 then. But the bigger picture is, okay, like if this thing runs and, you know, where's a billion market cap? Well, that's like at $407 or something. So all of these numbers become water under the bridge if you have such a high upside um, that um, guessing exactly correctly doesn't matter. Because here's the thing: let's say Zephyr was at thirty bucks, and let's say it ran to four hundred, and I was waiting for ten bucks, right? Like, does that make any sense? Like, so the problem is you won't know for sure, and so you have to decide: okay, if I believe that there's a reasonable reason to believe it can go to a billion market cap, and if I got it at thirty and I got a lot of it, I'd be fine. I did get a lot at 30. I was like, whatever. And I got a lot more at 20 or something like that. But the point is, like, the upside is so high. Like, trying to pick a perfect bottom is greed the same way picking a perfect top is greed. So, like, it's, I just say, my, say to myself, hey, do I, if it goes down below my purchase price, do I believe it'll come back up? If it's a project that's like a, some random new meme coin and you have no idea if it's going to come back up, it may never come back up. It may just go down only. If it's a quality project, with a lot of users and the the metrics, social media metrics, like for example, 
the followers of the website, the followers of the um, the traffic to the website, the traffic to their uh, Twitter you know handle, the traffic to a number of followers, YouTube you know hits, all that. If those numbers look pretty good, then you can imagine that you're going to find a bottom and and price will eventually come back up, especially if the project has utility. So in that sense, that's why I wasn't worried that okay, I bought some. Zephyr still went down further than my purchase price, but I felt like I was, I would be more upset if I didn't get enough at 30 and it took off than I would if it went down to 10 and I, I, you know, I would have the regret of saying, wait, I could have bought more if I just had waited or I was more patient. So on the way down, like 30, 25, 20, 10, I bought on the way, all the way down. So this is the rationale because it has to do more with like, what do I not want to miss in terms of upside? Here's the problem. It's actually hard to find coins that are any good. So the problem is when you find one, it's like, wait a minute, like, like, you know, do I want to be allocated or don't I be like, what am I doing here? Because like, if I'm not like, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm not going to put anything else until it reaches 10. And I have that mentality. Then the problem is, if I missed it, then whatever bag I have, I have, and that's the end of it. And now I have to find somewhere else to allocate my money. and if I don't know of a greater place with higher upside or that I'm comfortable with, then now I have to do a whole bunch more fucking research to figure out what I'm going to put it in. And by the way, a lot of stuff at these smaller market caps are useless coins that don't go anywhere. So while they have really high upside, um, finding stuff at these market caps that you legitimately have some conviction in is actually quite difficult. Um, I, at least, you know, unless you're going to sit and do a lot of research and, and even then, how much research are you going to do? Are we going to do go to their website? I mean, come on, give me a break. So the reality is like, you don't know for sure if that shit's going to zero or not. So that's why I kind of said, okay, all right, 30, you know, 20, 25, whatever it is, I'm going to just add in there. So my average now is probably like 20 bucks or something, 19, 20. I didn't calculate it, but it's something like that. And I originally bought it six, by the way. So, um, you know, my, I, I actually raised my average considerably, I would say. So that just puts you in my mind so you understand like how I'm thinking about all this, like not so that you do the same thing, but, but you have to decide like what it is that you're, you know, what it, whatever it is one invests in, you have to decide like, you know, what are the parameters that you're, and at what price do you think it's a reasonable value to you? Nobody else can tell you that for sure, right? Like there's stocks and things and people are like, oh, you should get Tesla stock now. Um, and I'm like, you know, like, you know, I, I bought it at last at 206, sold it like 178 or something. I, I made a good, I made a good buck on Tesla stock. And do I want to add more at this level? You know, not really. Why? Because it's price to earnings ratio is super high. And I didn't pick it up when it was at 185 the other day. My wife's like, you should get it now. I'm like, I sold it at 175. Why do I want to get it back at 185? Like, and now it's 200, of course. So my wife's always right, unfortunately, um, for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, uh, but at the same time, it wasn't a value buy to me. It was like, it could. By the way, it could still dump. Uh, in the name of te Tesla, it's just doing mean reversion after mean reversion. It keeps dumping again and again because its earnings and everything are pretty weak. So it might run now. It might, but the point is, like, it's not a value stock to me. And if it takes off, that's on me. Let's say it goes to 400 next week for some reason, then I just miss it. That's it. And I'll have to be comfortable with that. And then I have to find some other stock to buy instead that might do better for, than that would have. And so 
if I have some like really, really deep yearning for a particular coin or stock, okay, I might go in a little bit sooner um, and basically like, you know, blow my load quicker in a sense, like, um, because, so that's why with Zephyr, um, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't interested in going like, I didn't have to wait for it to go all the way to the bottom to buy because I like it more. There's others that like, you know, I don't like as much and I'll, you know, I will only buy it if it just absolutely tanks. So, and then there's others, like if I have a lot of the coin already and I'm not sure if I want to allocate a whole lot more, then those are situations where I might also uh, wait till I have a big dip because I already have too much of that coin and only if it's like a really great deal I'll add. So different, different uh, strategies for different situations, but really it's all a moving target anyway. There's no perfect way to do all this shit. There really isn't. And, uh, but uh uh, focusing on rect charts is not a bad place to start, in my opinion, in stocks or in anything. Because at least, even if you're wrong, at least the downside is mitigated substantially because it's already a rect chart. Yeah, well, that's what I've started doing in stocks now since you've decided, like, I'm trying to get into the Chinese market a bit better. And uh, I just need to do a bit more research. And some the of the Chinese market is really wrecked, so that's probably a good place to exactly. start. Wait, well, <laughs> like, I'm sitting there thinking electronic vehicles. Like, it's like buying the dot-com bubble crash. Yeah, exactly. And like, even if I never sell them, it's it. it for all I know, they could have, they, there could be a golden gem in there that's just waiting to just go, hey, <laughs> we've got something brand new. China's going to back us, and boom. It, 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 well, Chinese government going to back us, and yeah, great. But obviously, we won't know until there's a slight recovery or there is a recovery, and we'll see if there ever is. Yeah. But like, I'll give you an example. I bought um, uh, Verizon stock. Um, that's the ticker is VZ. And I picked it up over the last uh, year or so. I don't know what my exact average is, but um, I picked it up like starting i think october november of like 2000 uh of no i'm sorry i picked it up back yeah like started getting it back in 2022 late 2022 and then bought it all the way to the very bottom in october 23 and the yield on that thing when i was buying it was like i don't know 10 percent. we're talking about like one of the biggest uh, at&t and verizon the biggest cell phone providers in america and so they're not going to zero. They, you know, people are going to want to pay their cell phone bill and they're going to like, you're going to get the dividend, right? So it's a 10% dividend yield when I bought it. And now from the price that I averaged in, I'm now up 12% on the stock that I've only had for this last year. And I've made 10% dividend yield, you know, during while waiting, which is pretty good because like, even if the price is down 10%, I've made money, but now I've got the dividend and I've got the growth and I can just hold that stock forever. And I got a pretty sizable amount because I felt like, ah, eh, this one's not going to zero anytime soon. Let's hold on to it. And I can just ride this. This one, I bought AT&T also. I figured, you know, let's just get both the providers in case one goes out of business. Yeah. And uh, basically got them both. And that way I have the dividends coming in for the next years and years. Well, five years and you've got your money back, right? Uh, essentially. Uh, if, if, you were to, if it was to hold its price and not go up and give or take five years, you've, you've made it back in just dividends alone, no? Yeah, and dividend yields like it's only twenty percent cap gains, but it's basically income going forward for the next you know decade or so. Exactly. Um, so it's it's good nonstop income. So getting wrecked dividend charts is even better. Like I posted a couple today actually. Um, that I just what I do is I just go through my list and go, huh, which one, which one's down? Why? Okay, oh, it's just whatever the market's down. 
energy's down, whatever. And I'll just go and grab a bit more of that thing. And, um, and, uh, I, it's not even that complicated. I'm not doing a bunch of fucking research. Yeah. Number go down. I buy, I'm, I'm not, I'm like, or, or at least if they have, they're a profitable company, just basic metrics, dividend, are they profitable? Is their PE ratio wrecked? Is their stock price wrecked? Is it a company I think that probably is going to stick around? Okay, great. Let me just add some of that. So not really like exotic research, really. Because if you do a whole bunch of deep research, you always find reason not to buy shit. You know why? Because when the price is down, guess what happens if you go do research? Everyone's Their earnings were not that great. Whatever, whatever. Like the, You're always going to fudge yourself yeah. out of buying anything. But everyone else is also going to be flooding them. So yeah, just a case of yeah. the ways. So, so this is where... This is where, like, you know, who really gives a fuck what it does? It doesn't matter. It's the the as long as they they're profitable, and they they'll survive. You know, then it's good enough. That's kind of was my thesis, and I bought almost all of my stocks that way. There are some that are down that I have, but like especially lithium and um, some some solar stuff. There's definitely some stuff that's down. Lithium, but, really? Um, I would have thought lithium would have been quite high. No, lithium got wrecked because yeah, lithium went through a bubble, right? Like it. Like everyone's like, oh, I want to invest in electric and lithium and electric cars. And so um, lithium stocks ended up becoming like the proxy for, oh, I missed Tesla, but I'm going to go buy lithium stocks. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's literally the idea that I was going through my head then, yeah. Yeah, which is part of the idea that went through my head when I bought them to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, uh, but, you know, and I picked them up and they're down bad. Like they're down like 40%, whatever. So the point is, now's a good time to dig through, you know, Alba Marley and you know, all these lithium stocks, uh, these like lithium producers, because it'll come back, right? Electric cars are. Ah, uh, I don't know, because in. a lot of people are going to hydrogen engines at the minute. Uh, there's a few breakthroughs that have happened to fix the, um, the vankle blowing up basically when the oils, uh, well, when the, when the oil pumps, I think it, you know what I'm on about, don't you? When the oil gets injected into the engine. Yeah. Hydrogen. I mean, but we're a long way from hydrogen. The point is like, yeah. even if hydrogen does or doesn't make it, batteries are going to make it for sure. Because you got to, even if cars don't use them, yeah, batteries you know, houses and other things will. Because yeah, so you want to be able to store, um, you know, store energy produced with wind and solar and whatever. So batteries are going to be a big thing almost no matter what. But I did add, I did just keep adding to my lithium bags because I was like, well, eventually it'll come back. And um so, like, you know, you want to get these things while they're really down, generally speaking. Now, you have to be careful. Commodities producers like lithium and gold and all these kinds of things, a lot of times they don't perform that great. Um, anyway. Oh, you know what? I just realized I've got to jump off. Um, I'm supposed to pick up my kid from somewhere. I forgot about him while we're chatting. <laughs> Let me go get him. <laughs> right, buddy. Well, take care. Always a pleasure. Yep. Have a good evening. Yeah. See you later. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear, flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting honest And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was 
born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, though the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse, misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt, we rape and plunder the earth. Say and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Two spaces.